You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And thanks for listening. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to pass along our key takeaways from the weekend's action in week two of the preseason, discuss the PR challenge for the league, if Colin Kaepernick remains unsigned, and chat with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. Brian, the Jaguars quarterback situation is messy. And to help us clean it up is former Jacksonville quarterback David Garrard. David, thanks so much for taking the time. Let's start in Jacksonville. A couple of years ago, Blake Bortles had 35 touchdown passes. What do you think has happened to him since then? Fellas, what's going on, first of all? What's up, David? <laughs> yes, he did. He, um, he had the numbers, but unfortunately, it was numbers that were done in times when the game was out of hand. And so he was able to accumulate touchdowns. And, and I had reservations. Even then, because, you know, most uh, average fans just see numbers. They see how many touchdowns he throws, and they think, okay, well, he's young, but look how he can throw touchdowns if he could just eliminate the interceptions. Well, it's different when you come into a season and everything's riding on your performance now, and you're an older vet, you're an established guy. You should be able to put up those same kind of touchdown numbers but eliminate the mistakes, and it's not – that he just has some mistakes. There are mistakes at the wrong time. Um, you know, you're getting down by 17, 21 points in the game, and it's out of hand by halftime. Well, now you just come out and you start slinging the ball around, and then you throw three touchdowns, but you're down, you got beat, uh, you know, 35-21. And so it's, 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 a, it's a situation where now – that's not acceptable. You're going to your fourth year. He's getting to a point where he's just not uh, maturing from those mistakes. He's not um, winning ball games with his arm. It's just you, you can just see it starting to snowball now. Everything is going downhill. His own teammates, receivers are starting to talk about him behind his back. You can kind of hear that kind of stuff. Other teammates as well. It's just not a really good look. David, you mentioned he's not winning the games with his arm. Um, is he that style of quarterback, though? Because the same thing is happening in the same division with, with Andrew Luck. He is not yeah. that style of quarterback. If you saw when he came out of Stanford, Andrew Luck, uh, you saw it was done with a running game, play-action pass, throw the ball, and then yep. make plays with his feet. Is Blake Bortles that type of player where he can just do it with his arm? And is that the big reason why they end up going to – grab uh, Leonard Fournette early in the draft. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I mean, honestly, any quarterback uh, needs a supporting cast. Uh, you know, Tom Brady is one of those quarterbacks that can just, whoever is out on the field, he can make plays and they're going to win. But your normal quarterback needs those kind of players, and especially a quarterback that, isn't uh, throw it around the field 50 times and you're making those consistent throws, uh, making the big plays with your arm, and everybody just relies on you. Not very many of those quarterbacks. Most quarterbacks need um, a top receiver, a running back that can be efficient, a couple of them that come out of the backfield, those kind of things. It's What he hasn't done, he has not just taken the game over by himself 
and brought the team back to win or from start to finish just excelled in multiple games. He's not done that. There's always that turnover that is costly. There's there's a situation where we're down uh, maybe 10 points and we're going into the fourth quarter, but we never come back and win. Or maybe it's happened once or twice in the three years he's played. That's what I say by he never takes the game over and win it on his own. I'm not saying he does that week in and week out. He, he's not doing it consistent, consistently enough at all. And so what happens is, is we get in these games and everything just happens to be working. And special teams is making plays. Defense is making plays. And I mean plays by they're scoring touchdowns. And then offense is scoring touchdowns and not turning the ball over. That's, those are the games that we have won here in the last three years with, with Blake Bortles. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because he has the tools and, and the talent. It's just for some reason he just makes these mistakes in the ball games that are very, very costly uh, where we're going into – I'll give you an example. We're going into halftime and say the other team's only up three points. Well, we're driving in a little two-minute drive trying to get some points before the half, and he throws a pick six. And not just a pick. He's got as many pick sixes in his career as he has wins. So <laughs> these are not very good numbers. David Garrard is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. David, I'm glad you still use the term we because I've been a Jaguar fan for a long time. Before Cordell brings it up, <laughs> I'm supposed to be an objective member of the media I'm the guy, even before we got together on this show, for at least five years I've been saying, this is the year Jacksonville bounces back. Because I remember how effective this team was when you played for them. They were a playoff team. What is going on organizationally? We know that Tom Coughlin is there to try to change the culture of the team. But why has this franchise struggled so much in recent years? Because look at the roster. There's talent on this football team. There is absolutely talent on this football team, and it honestly has been the last five, six, seven years. Been the quarterback play has not been as up to par as it should be. First of all, um, you know, probably five years ago, the the team was just awful. We we did not have a very good roster. Uh, there was no weapons out there, no playmakers, offensively, defensively, anywhere. But now the team is set, and the quarterback play is still, um, unfortunately, I hate to say, is below average right now. And that's why we continue to be in this funk. You know when you have your franchise quarterback, and I'm talking about a quarterback that can go out there and take the game over, win ball games on his own pretty much, and that changes a team. That changes a season, and we have not had that here the last few years. Do you need to change that quarterback at the starting quarterback position? It, it's not a change. Just play better. <laughs> play better. Make the play that you're supposed to make. I mean, this Thursday night preseason game, it, it's going to be huge. It's one of the biggest preseason games in Jaguar history just because we have an open competition at quarterback now, and Blake has to go out there and play really well. I mean, when I look around at all these other preseason games and you see Russell Wilson go out and he goes four for four with a touchdown. You see Dak Prescott go out there. He's four for six 
or six for eight, two touchdowns. We don't have that. Blake has not given us that. We've had three and out, three and out, three and out, six and out. I mean, it's just our offensive chemistry is not on par, and the other teams are taking advantage of us. Last week with Tampa, we go out there three and out, first two drives, and um, Jameis Winston goes right down the field, both drives, scores a touchdown on the first down, first drive, gets three points on the second drive, and then the backup comes in and he goes down. It, and that happens because there is no energy given by the offense. So the defense has nothing to rise up for. It's basically a here-we-go-again type situation, and we've got to get out of that. We've, we, we are in the world of here-we-go-again, and that's killing us. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with David Garrard, the former NFL quarterback. David, you spent time in Miami, so what's your outlook on what could happen this year in South Florida? Jay Cutler looked good, albeit in the cameo in his preseason debut for Miami. Considering what he did playing with and for Adam Gase in Chicago a couple years ago, how smooth do you think this transition is going to be? (laughs) You know, uh, being a former quarterback, it's, it's tough for me to sometimes watch Jay Cutler out there because, you know, as a quarterback, you have to be even kill, which he is even kill personified. He almost looks like he's dead out there when he's <laughs> just <laughs> walking around and, and talking to the players. But he, he has the ability. He's uh, just like almost a Blake Bortles, but he's actually won ball games and been to the playoffs. But he, he, you never know what you're going to get. And a retired or coming off retirement. Jay Cutler, that would worry me because I just feel like his motivation is already terrible. Now he's coming off retirement. It's like, I'm going to get hit a few times and eh, you know what? I'm going to kind of check out even more than I have in the past. But if, if Jay Cutler can be the Jay Cutler that was with Adam Gase a few years ago, then I think they do have the talent down there. They do have the weapons. They got uh, Ajay, Jay Ajay, I believe is how you say his name. Jay Ajayi. Uh, Jay Ajayi, yeah, is a fantastic running back. So he's got the weapons and he's got players on defense. They just happen to have the New England Patriots in their division, you know. But it's, I I don't know. I like Matt Moore. I think Matt Moore should have been, uh, should have gotten his shot. I mean, he is a seasoned veteran. He's come in and played well for them multiple times. But for some reason, uh, head coaches do not give him a chance to take on the job for a long period of time. They're always looking for someone else. And that, you know, says a lot in itself too. But I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of giving you uh, shoulders up right now with Jay Cutler. It's a, it's a wait-and-see type situation. You mentioned in the division – uh, you guys' division, the AFC South, is about as competitive as any other division, I would say, when it comes down to trying to win. Because at one time, it was just Indianapolis Colts. Obviously, we know because of Peyton and, yeah. and then Andrew Luck came along. But now you see the Houston Texans doing it at the quarterback position by committee. They end up finding ways to win a division. And then you have the Tennessee Titans, who's really knocking on the doors. Uh, and then not knowing for sure which team is going to show up in Jacksonville Give me your take on the yeah. division and how uh, competitive it is now to where probably one or two teams, maybe even a third, can be positioned to win. And, I mean, a different team than what it's been over the last few years. 
Yeah, just uh, giving you the Jaguar uh, point of view, we've really dropped the ball the last few years because we had uh, the perfect time to kind of take over the division, and we just basically threw it to everybody else and said, here you go, uh, because there hasn't been uh, very good chemistry within our whole division over the last few years. You know, uh, Andrew Luck being injured the last couple years, um, That, like you said, the Texans have just been quarterback by committee, and that's never a great recipe. And the Titans have kind of just been kind of coming along slowly but surely, but, you know, we've kind of had – pieces here with we thought we had our quarterback and uh, we felt like we had pieces on defense but we continued like last year I thought man we've got a great shot to take the division but it really is um, up for grabs uh, you gotta keep looking at the Texans the way they've been able to play uh, without really having a franchise quarterback and they still make it to the playoffs that just tells you kind of how bad uh, all the other teams have been playing but I mean, looking at it objectively, I I feel like the Titans kind of have the best recipe for winning the division this year, uh, especially if we can't get our quarterback uh, situation straight. So um, I'm I'm kind of leaning uh, more towards the Titans with the hopes that uh, Henny or Mike Bortles can get it right and really help take our team to win the division. David Garrard is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. David, last one for me. You ended your career with the Jets. What's your overall view of what they're trying to do this year? I don't want to use the word tanking necessarily, but it feels yeah. like they're trying to maximize their draft possibilities. And how about what's going on under center? Can you think of a more challenging quarterback situation than what the Jets are dealing with here in 2017? No, I really can't. You know, I was very surprised when I saw the moves they were making and all the guys they were getting rid of. I mean, good quality guys. But basically, without saying the word tank, they just said, you know what, do we win four or five games this year or do we just play some young guys, play some guys that we can develop? And if we win four or five games that way, great, but we're probably not. And that's going to set us up for getting – uh, a, a high draft pick, and then once we get that kind of franchise quarterback, because there's a few coming out next year, then we can really say, you know what, all right, now let's start targeting some of these free agents, some of these guys. We're way under the cap. you know. We've So they're trying to build for the long haul. They're not looking at this year as a win year. They're looking at it as a, a development year. Let's develop some of these young guys so then when we can – uh, put our roster together that we feel like we're ready to uh, challenge for the division. Hopefully Tom Brady's out of the division by then. <laughs> <And> then <laughs> that might be another five years, right? He wants to play until he's 45, yeah, David. you know, the guy's going to be 45. I don't know if he's going to switch over to kicker and punter because uh, it's great that you have changed your diet and all that. But these guys still come fast and they still hit you. And you've been playing for a long time now. The body just has a thing of just wearing down unfortunately it happens to us and it happens even faster when uh, guys are putting their face mask in your chest but he gets the ball out so fast and he operates his offense so well that he doesn't get tagged like that too many times and the refs also help him out too does not hurt when you have that winning combination (laughs) david we appreciate the information thanks for the time i tell cordell that jacksonville is not only america's team they're europe's team 
with the London presence. Let's just tell it like it is. They're a global superpower just waiting to take the next step. <laughs> and hopefully one day we take that next step before somebody else becomes cool. <laughs> And it'll be right. we, because I'm on that <laughs> yeah. Jag train and I'm not getting I off it. it. Thank you, David. Thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Between game-winning drives and walk-off home runs, follow TuneIn Sports on social media and get the latest scoop on our great sports shows. From MLB at the plate to NFL No Huddle, be the first to know about upcoming interviews with some of the biggest stars in sports. Or check out behind-the-scenes coverage that you can't get anywhere else. Like us at TuneIn Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and keep up on all the latest news and happenings from around the world of sports. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's go round the league with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. DJ, thanks for taking the time. You're still close to your old team, but you can be objective. ESPN has Atlanta number two in their preseason power rankings. Why do you believe this team will not deal with a Super Bowl hangover after their collapse last year in Houston? Be well, Cordell. Good to be with you guys. Uh, and, the, you know, the unique thing about it is uh, this preseason, I'm getting a chance to do the sideline reporter. So I'm on the sideline. I get to be close to the, the guys in action, I get to talk to DQ. And uh, the feeling around this team is that happened so long ago. It feels like uh, they're not even thinking about it. They're not talking about it. They're thinking about 2017 and how they can get better and adding pieces to the puzzle to make sure – Things like last year don't happen. But uh, i tell you what, what makes this team, uh, what's going to make them a little bit better is obviously their depth. Uh, the last couple of preseason games, though, in the second half, the second, third string guys have really given away a couple of leads. They really haven't showed up to the capabilities that they want them to. So that's the only thing that they're pretty they're much worried about right now is getting those guys who are at the bottom of uh, the 53-man roster to really show up and be those depth players. But other than that, this team has the focus. They have uh, the man in charge who definitely keeps them in check. And uh, week in and week out, this team is on a mission to show why they should be back in the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, DJ, you say they're on the mission and, and you say you're on the sideline and you're somewhat feeling the energy of what they're doing. But when watching that game, this team on offense and defense is moving extremely fast. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know if it's because – you know, they're just feeling the good energy because of the new stadium, because they felt like they really won the game last year, to just understanding that the things you mentioned, there is depth, okay? Uh, Players have gotten signed to new deals to where the team is still intact. Do you think this team is really playing this good because they have the confidence, or this is just the traditional Atlanta Falcons we've seen over some time? You know, I think it goes back to the way these guys practice. These guys practice fast. I mean, they're running from drill to drill. It's kind of like it's one of those things that they make habits so they get in the game face slow down. I had a chance to talk to one of the guys and they were talking about the game from last week against Miami and this is a defensive guy who said, I just felt like we were moving faster than the other team was. We get to go against our offense who goes fast every single day. We're going fast in our drills. We're always up tempo and when we get in the game it seems like things slow down for them. And I think this is a process that they're going through throughout the entire offseason now into training camp and now it's transferred over into games is they want to play faster. You just mentioned it. 
defensively, they look faster than they were last year. It's, it's tough to get better than they were last year offensively. Uh, I think Steve Sarkeesian came in already, and there hasn't been a hiccup yet, especially in the first units. They've gone out and scored touchdowns, and they're opening drives. Uh, this game versus, last game versus Pittsburgh, they go 10 plays, 91 yards, four and a half minutes off the clock, and, you know, and they get a touchdown. Defensively, two, three, and outs uh, to start the game. This is a, a team that plays fast, and they're playing with a lot of confidence right now, and I think it's going to transpire over uh, especially when they start uh, the season one when they open in Chicago. Let me play my role as the contrarian on this show. And, Cordell, you can jump in. You're based in Atlanta. If this team is so fast, fellas, why did they run out of gas in the Super Bowl? If they're moving so quickly, where was that when I was watching the third and fourth quarter in Houston? Well, I think the biggest thing is what we just talked about in the first question was the depth. Uh, obviously, they, they had on the field a lot. Uh, they ran 90-plus plays, and frankly, they got worn out. And uh, New England found a way to get after these guys a little bit more and uh, find ways to find the holes in their defense. And I think last year they lacked that depth, especially up front, getting to the quarterback or the depth on the back end. Now they got depth six, seven, eight deep uh, in the front seven for sure. And they get Desmond Trufant back on the back end, one of the leaders of their defense. Uh, yeah, it was tough to see it. And, you know, it's one of those things you look back on and say, man, how can they not stop them? But it's part of the game, and I think not having that depth played a huge role in that game last year, and they just warmed out. One thing I've had a problem with uh, when it came down to the Falcons is their inability to finish. And, and, and one thing I, I think is going to not, and not just put it all on the Super Bowl. I think the Super Bowl was the tall tale of everything. It's been a mm-hmm. few games, and I can go back to even in the early part of, of, of Matt Ryan's career. Uh, he was at his best when he went no huddle. Uh, for whatever reason, they call the regular plays during regular during regular downs or what have you. Uh, everything is, you know, it's 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 moving. But when he does no huddle, I mean, it's pretty extraordinary. But yet at the same time, having to come from behind after starting off so fast. How many times have you seen DJ? They up seventeen nothing in the first quarter, or they're up uh, twenty to nothing in the first half, or twenty to seven, or twenty to three, and they end up squandering that that lead. Do you think they correct that issue? Because it wasn't just in the Super Bowl. This has been happening over the last couple of years with this team right. to where they cannot finish games. And if you can't finish, it'll be the same end result, I say again, uh, this upcoming season if it's not corrected, correct? Yeah, yeah, you bring up a great point. And it's been one of those things where this team, this organization, they've always stressed, let's start fast, let's start fast. And they have jumped out on teams and – and then you kind of have a lull throughout the middle of the game. Then you try to finish, but the other team has found their streak. And that's one of the things that just watching practice, being around this team, that's one thing that they focus on even more is, yeah, we want to start fast, but we also want to finish. Uh, there was a, a thing they had last week where, uh, well, not just last week, but any week in practice, they're always competing at the end of practice with 11-11, 7-7, what it may be. They're competing in everything they do. And they had a, a tie last week between offense and defense and Coach Quinn is a guy who said, okay, we don't want to tie. We always want to finish. And he stressed, that's not what we're about. We're competing. We're finishing. So they had a little, uh, they call it like a little punt kickoff between some of the linemen to determine who would finish, who would win. And it was fun in games, you know, for the guys to, you know, catch a punt, the big offensive lineman, defensive lineman. But I think the bigger picture was, yeah, we competed. We worked hard, but it, we still didn't finish and they found a way to finish. And I think that's part of it is the way they're practicing. They're going out saying, we're going to finish. 
not just we're going to go out and we're going to start fast and get up on teams. Uh, but, Cordero, you bring up a great point. The last few years, uh, most of the Falcons' games have been high-scoring affairs where they got scored 30, 35 points and, and defense giving up a lot. So, hopefully that changes this year. But, you know, only time will tell, and we'll see once the games come around if they can finish a game. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber taking you around the league with our good friend DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. DJ, I want a quick reaction here. Don't think about it too much because I think that tells the tale in terms of Hall of Fame analysis. Anquan Bolden retiring yesterday. Is he a Hall of Famer? I say yeah. I mean, his numbers are probably not as good as a a Reggie Wayne or somebody like that, but I think what he's done over his career uh, in the different franchises that he's been a part of and the the influence that he's made, he is a player that you look at and you still wonder. He probably still has a little bit more, but I think the numbers, everything he's done over his career, they say Hall of Fame. And I know there's a couple of receivers that are still in front of him that are waiting to get in, but uh, I think he definitely will be on that list and, and be one that's going to be talked about and argued about if he can get in. Does the Falcons get back to the Super Bowl this year? You know, it's going to be tough. I, I think they have all the, the ability. I think they got the players in in the right spots. I think they learned a lot from last season, but obviously uh, you, you got to get out your division first off. The division is going to be stacked with a bunch of teams that are on the rise. Obviously, Tampa is a team that everybody thinks about is on the rise as well, and Carolina adding pieces, but outside the division of Dallas and Green Bay, I mean, there's so many teams that could be there at the end of the season. Uh, the Falcons could be one of those teams as well, and uh, the way they're clicking early now, it's going to be hard to stop this team. Uh, especially on offense, but defensively, I think it's where you'll see the biggest change for this team and really will propel them going forward. Most importantly, as we say goodbye, if they win the Super Bowl, do you get a ring, DJ? <laughs> I don't Ooh. know, man. I have, to, I have to ask about that, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm close to him, so I might have to lobby for it. <laughs> I'm going to say sideline reporter, put you on the list, and we know Mr. Blank <laughs> is very generous. DJ, we appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll chat with you soon on the NFL on TuneIn. All right, fellas. And Cordell, I was in Pittsburgh, man. It's too many freaking towels out there, man. <laughs> time, time for getting on to me about it. I was like, hey, that's what they do. That's what they do, DJ. They do. That's what they do, man. I mean, you know one thing for sure. If you were sweating or you were crying, you had a towel to grab. <laughs> I was waiting for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Take you, care, DJ. Bro. All right, fellas. Appreciate it. Y'all be good. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. Tomorrow's headlines before they go to print. I've just been handed some great reporting. Tomorrow's questions before anyone's asked them. Could you make an obstruction case? Tomorrow's conversation tonight. Who is there to stand up to the boss and speak truth to power? Not a single person. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. More than the day that was, it's the day that will be. Weeknights at 11 Eastern on MSNBC. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's break down what stood out from the weekend's action in week two of the preseason, spotlighting the quarterback competitions. Brian and Cordell break down the biggest stories around the league as they kick off the opening drive on No Huddle. This is the NFL on TuneIn. If you watch the action on NFL Network on Saturday nights, San Francisco taking on Denver, it's not hard to figure out what was going on under center. I give you the stat line for Paxton Lynch. The numbers aren't terrible. He was quote-unquote efficient. 
9 to 13, just 39 yards, but you got to watch games. He was checking down too much, not going through the progression now as I pretend to be the quarterback on the show, and when he missed, he missed badly. So it felt like this was inevitable today. It became official in Denver. Here's the head coach of the Broncos explaining why he's going with Trevor Simeon, who's retaining his starting job for the Broncos. After a long, uh, long battle, about a four or five month battle, actually, we've decided on uh, making Trevor Simeon our quarterback. That being said, you know, both guys, both guys competed hard. You know, both guys want the job. I was pleased with both guys. <clears throat> but overall, the operation of the entire offense, decision making, ball placement was more consistent with Trevor. That's why he won the job. At the same time, the new head coach of the Broncos expressed confidence in Paxton Lynch. I met with those guys this morning. They understood that. We just finished our team meeting, so everyone's on the same page. You know, we're all going to support uh, Fort Pax moving forward. He's a young player. He's got a bright future still. And uh, in my opinion, you know, we have two quarterbacks. You know, most teams can't say that, and I truly believe that, that we do have two guys. Um, you know, so who, whoever would have played, I would have felt comfortable with, but Trevor was more consistent with what we asked those guys to do um, as a starting quarterback. Cornell, what's your perspective on what's going on with the Broncos? You told me at the start of training camp Trevor Simeon was going to keep his job. Will he be the starter all 16 games this season? I think he will, unless it's an injury or he just truly stinks up the joint. I don't think it's going to be anything where he's going to have to look over his shoulder um, of any sort. Uh, I'll, I'll say this about Paxton Lynch, and, and, and I had a chance to watch some of that game. And, and one thing he did not um, shy away from doing, um, it was scrambling. You know, and sometimes his scrambling, um, I think, was probably or, or even stemmed from his level of uncertainty when it came down to making a decision or he was just too late. Uh, and, and that's something that I think he brings to the table that's a little different uh, than Paxton Lynch. Uh, and I believe I, I believe everything Vance mentioned, that it's, they have two quarterbacks. And uh, Paxton Lynch's future is pretty bright. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of will he be able to handle – his emotions, will he be able to handle uh, this, this short-term disappointment of, 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 of not having a chance to be considered as a starting quarterback on this team? Because he will be needed at some point in time. In some form, for, some form of fashion, uh, he'll be needed at some point in time. So it's just going to be a matter of, you know, being that hearing the soundbite from Vance Joseph, the head coach for the Denver Broncos, mentioning that he just spoke to the team this morning uh, and also talked to both quarterbacks – and, 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 you know, which is, you know, hey, both you guys are our quarterbacks. We're going to go with Trevor Simeon. Uh, but at the same time, Paxton, make sure you're ready uh, because you are considered as a starter once you step on the football field, regardless if you don't start the game. Uh, Any time that you have to come in to a game and, and, and say the game is on the line, I mean, unfortunately for that guy coming off the bench, you have to play as if you've been in the game the entire game. So while physically you may not be to part, depart, but mentally you better be locked in to where if there's some checks that you have to make, if there's some decisions when it comes to throwing a football you have to make, uh, if there's some stepping up in the pocket to maybe even call timeouts, things of that nature, uh, just being in dialogue with the receivers. Um, I, I think – if he can stay focused while on the sideline and having a chance to step in and, and finish out a game if needed or even come in for a short term and go right back out because maybe a, 
a helmet malfunction of some sort, um, that he can actually go out and do it. And, 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 and the good thing is about this, I think, for the Broncos team, is and I think they're going with the guy that, that's the better quarterback at this moment in time for their team, which is Trevor Simeon. And as I said before, it's because of his experience. Now, it's not saying that Paxton Lynch is not good. It's just saying right now he's not ready. And, and, and to know that he's not ready right now does not mean uh, that he can't be ready when needed. And that's the key. The key to success in the National Football League is when your number's called, being able to step up and perform and produce. In the quarterback position, I think one has the most eyes on it than any other position in the game because you're helped, you know, if you're an outside linebacker by the guy next to you. You're helped if you're a defensive end by the tackle. You're helped if you're playing cover two and you're the corner with the safety sitting on top as a half-field half player. So you get the help. The quarterback, you have to lead. And so you have to make sure you have a clear mind, sound mind, and one at the same time that's willing to be able to go out and produce if needed, knowing that while you feel a certain way because you're not called to be the starter, you have to be ready. And I think Paxton Lynch will be able to answer that call whenever it's needed. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber. Monday edition of NFL No Huddle on the NFL on TuneIn. We want to hear from you. If you're a Bronco fan, what do you make of the quarterback situation in Denver? Team going with continuity. Trevor Simeon keeping his starting job. It's 832-688-6346. That's one team. Tune in. Coming up in 15 minutes, we take you around the league with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. One more thought on Denver. If we go back to their winning formula when they prevailed over Carolina in the Super Bowl that we watched together, Santa Clara, California, undeniably it was the defense that carried that team. In fact, it's not just an opinion. Go back and look at the stats. Before he was benched, Peyton Manning statistically was the worst quarterback in all of football that year. And Brock Osweiler just held the team together. He only had one 300 passing yard performance, and it came in a loss. If they can get more health at the running back position, Cordell, remember last year, C.J. Anderson went down. If the defense is as stout as it's been in the past, what does Trevor Simeon have to do for this team to make a run to the playoffs in what I think is the most challenging division in all of football, the AFC West? Not screw it up. I mean, I, and, and, and I mean that with all sincerity. Um, you know, you can have a team where they're good enough uh, to be able to win uh, with, 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 with some parts of the other part of the, part of the team lacking. Prime example, look at the Houston Texans. How many times have they changed quarterbacks? I mean, we can probably count them in having to use our toes to, to get to the bigger number. Um, it can be done. But if they want to get to a championship, it's going to have to be a, let's say, bend but don't break mentality. Most importantly, don't screw it up mentality. Uh, just We're not asking you to, to win the games, uh, but if you can, that would be great. But most importantly, what we truly are asking you is to not screw it up. And if that's the case, be methodical, take the little things, uh, you know, get those 12 to 10 play, 10 to 12 play drives, uh, drives that are, that are basically taking control of the game, uh, things of that nature. You, you, you really put yourself in position with this defense on your team uh, to, to be able to make a run at something good in the postseason. And, and that's hopefully getting back to, something that they've been uh, a part of a few years ago, which was Super Bowl 50, uh, and that was the Super Bowl against the Carolina Panthers. So I, I just say Trevor Simeon, he just need to be the field general. Just control everything around him. 
uh, make sure everybody's in the right place. He has the ability to do it. Uh, do they need him to be Tom Brady? No. Do they need him to be a Matt Ryan? No. They just need him to be serviceable enough to where once they get into the postseason, let the chips fall where they may. Because you have to assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you're watching this Denver Broncos defense uh, with Vaughn Miller on the edge and, and all the other Derek Wolf in the inside, um, you have to assume this team's going to get turnovers and potentially get turnovers with, with points. That, that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, and then if they can create a good field position scenario for this offense, I just I think they can really be in some games. Now, how long would that pattern last? How long would that trend last? That's the, that's the major question of the day, uh, if that's the, the direction they're going in, because I wouldn't want to sling it all over the place because they don't have a sling it all over the place uh, personnel group with this offense. But do they have one that's methodical? Sure they do. C.J. Anderson looked like he's back, looked like he's healthy. Um, you know, Damaris Thomas, we saw him do some good things. Emmanuel Sanders saw him do some good things. Uh, backs by committee and also the tight end. I mean, you saw some good things happening in that game, but it's just going to come down to can the offense get enough points on the board? 17 points, 24 points. If they can get 17 points a game, I think this team can be in it. If they can get 24, I think they win. And let's see if the veteran Jamal Charles even makes the roster coming back from a variety of knee injuries. Also, key defensive injuries to factor in. Shane Ray went down with the wrist issue late July, going to miss the first few weeks of the regular season. Anquan Bolden's time in upstate New York lasted less than two weeks. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about the veteran joining the Bills, was slated to be a mentor for playmakers like Sammy Watkins, but Watkins was traded to the Rams, and yesterday Bolden suddenly announced he was done with football. And apparently, as we bring you some of a conversation he had with ESPN, Bolden believes now moving forward he's going to pursue a much higher calling. Throughout my career, you know, the NFL has, has done a great job of allowing me the platform to be able to serve others and, and to help um, people in many different ways. Um, but I feel like now um, my passion for people outweighs my passion for playing football. I'll continue to do the work that I've been doing thus far, um, advocating for those that don't have a voice, um, doing more humanitarian work, whether it be here in the States or outside of um, this country. Um, but like I said, my life's passion um, and my life is bigger than football. I, I love playing the game of football. I love the the lessons that you learn from playing football. Um, but I think for me, it's, it's time to take that into another realm. Courtesy ESPN, the timing is interesting. And if you believe that the Bills, I'm not going to use the T word, tanking, if you believe the Bills are maximizing their draft possibilities, maybe Anquan Bolden didn't want to stick around for what could be a 4-12 year. At the same time, I watched that conversation on ESPN. He said that activism has been at the forefront of his mind for a long time at the age of 36. Why not make that transition? The numbers are gaudy, better than the 1,000 receptions. That's number nine on the all-time list, 14th in yardage. 23rd in touchdown receptions, Super Bowl champion as well. But Cordell, I think it's going to be challenging for him to get into the Hall of Fame for two reasons. There are so many talented wide receivers, and everybody's got to wait. Secondly, if I'm thinking about dominant receivers when Anquan Bolden played, I don't know that I, without looking at the numbers, just talking about 
my impressions, my assessment. I don't know that I would ever have said Anquan Bolden was a top three, top five receiver, even though he had a tremendous run. To me, I think he's on that next year, the Hall of Very Good, not the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a borderline guy, uh, borderline player when it comes to the Hall of Fame conversation because he's played for some years. Uh, he's put in the work. Uh, he's gone to championships. Um, and I think in the end, uh, uh, when you really break this down about Anquan Bolden, I don't think too many would have anything bad to say about him when it comes down to how he approached the game of football. Um, I, I, looked, I look at him as a let's say, Steve Smith to an extent, uh, especially early on in his career, mainly early on in his career. Um, I just think he's one of those Wally veterans uh, that's been around for some years, uh, that's been able to, you know, for one, he was in the shadows of Larry Fitzgerald when he was with Arizona. Uh, He moves on and and plays where? He goes to Baltimore. He's there for some years. Won the Super Bowl with the Ravens. Won the Super Bowl and with the Ravens. And made some incredible catches when Joe Flacco got catches. hot in that unlikely playoff run. And he was a playmaker. Um, I don't think he would take necessarily the door. The door hinges off of a door uh, when he would play the game um, for as like a T.O., uh, one that we know was a, a, a player that just really a Marvin Harrison you know, I mean, when you start talking about those Hall of Fame credentials, and, and T.O.'s going to get there. He's going to get Randy Moss, you know, Isaac Bruce, who we know is going to get there at some point in time. Um, let me see who else am I missing uh, in that mix. Um, and so when I really look at this and I say to myself, how do we gauge Anquan Bolden? I think you put him in a category that's, I would say, a little bit better than very good because I think very good, there is another spot between very good and the Hall of Fame. You know, maybe very, very good. How about this one? Because we had the conversation when he retired. Andre Johnson. I see parallels between Bolden and Johnson. Andre Johnson. Because I'm looking at receptions right now, virtually the same. Difference is Bolden won a Super Bowl. And how impactful was Anquan Bolden on the team when they won the Super Bowl? He was extremely impactful. I think you, you, you take him off that team, that team does not go to a Super Bowl. He made some tremendous catches that season, especially when Ray Lewis wasn't on the football team because of a forearm injury. Um, that was a year where the defense was nice. They were very, actually were good, better than nice. They were good, but the offense was just in that position to where when it came to those tough yards, who did you depend on? On every team that Anquan Bolden was a part of, it was Anquan Bolden. Um, is he a Hall of Famer? Yes, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Will he be first ballot? No. Uh, would he have to sit around as long as a a, a uh, Andre Reid? No. Um, maybe. A Chris Carter? Maybe. And those guys should have, in my opinion, gotten in sooner. But for whatever reason, behind the scenes, they didn't. Anquan Bowden gets in at some point in time. And I think mainly because, you know, you think of the Walter Payton Award, which is just not about football. It's about being humanitarian. Um, you think of the things now that he's going to do, the things that he loves and where his passion is. Those are the kind of things when you're a borderline player, that determines if you get in or not. And I think the work that he's put in on the football field is second to none. And I think what he's doing off the field is admirable times 10. And now that he's walking away from $4 million bucks with the Buffalo Bills to pursue his passion, to pursue what he feels is his purpose, uh, which is to help those who can't help themselves and bring awareness to some things for some that need the help. Um, 
I think he gets in. I think he gets in because it's more than just football. That's why T.O.'s not in. No, that's a great point. If we're talking about character, that's certainly an asset for Anquan Bolden. Tremendous. Tremendous for Anquan Bolden. I mean, he's a stand-up guy. Uh, I think he's done every single thing right, honestly. Uh, He and his wife, we had a chance to see him at the honors a few years ago when – where were we? We weren't – where were we the year? In San Francisco? Yeah, two years ago. Two years ago, yes. And um, I think he – you know, for all the reasons – I think Teal's not getting in uh, is the reason why we see uh, Anquan Bolden get into, I would say, the Hall of Fame. And, and people will respect it and appreciate it tremendously uh, because of the efforts that he's putting in, especially in a time in society right now today where those types of players, especially current players who now all of a sudden make the sacrifice to retire and leave four million bucks on the table, I don't care how you slice it. That's a lot of money. Uh, but to go pursue his passion, uh, I think, that will help catapult him and get an opportunity to get in. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Looking for the hottest hip-hop right now? Just search Hip-Hop Beat exclusively on TuneIn. Hear artists like Jay-Z. All this old talk left me confused. You'd rather be old rich me or new you? Migo. Slippery. Oh, excuse me. Please me. Travis Scott. That is life I cannot change. It is deep off in the main. We have all your hip hop needs. Search hip hop beat exclusively on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Cordell, as we close today's podcast, let's discuss the PR challenge for the NFL if Colin Kaepernick does not land with a new team. On the gridiron, there are clear lines to follow, but from time to time, there's a story that takes us out of bounds. Crazy, the rain situation. It's no huddle on the NFL on TuneIn. Cordell, a couple weeks ago, Spike Lee announced on social media that he is prepared to lead a rally outside of the NFL offices in New York City. That is scheduled for this Wednesday, August 23rd. On Friday... The Atlanta chapter of the NAACP announcing that if Colin Kaepernick does not sign with a team, they're ready to lead a boycott of the NFL. So if Kaepernick's not playing when we get to week one of the regular season, how much of a PR challenge is that for the NFL? It's going to be huge uh, because it's not just going to be uh, something that just happens out of nowhere uh, with Spike Lee and the NAACP. Uh, You see it transpiring right now in the National Football League. When you look at the Chris Longs of the world and and all the other players that that's come in and joined um, to to show their respects and their sentiments uh, to those who are actually suffering and and, and not getting the same opportunity as others, um, and it's the stance that Colin Kaepernick took last year when he kneeled for the national anthem, and and I just think it's going to get to the point where for those who have may have been afraid. Uh, to do anything. Uh, I think to see more and more marquee players uh, actually stand up uh, in some type of way, show their respects. You know, Chris Long, he still stood up, put his hand on his heart, uh, but put his hand on the back of one of his teammates' shoulder pads um, and, 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 and quietly said, you know what, you know, and if it's okay, allow me to be able to participate um, in what it is that, that you guys 
are going through when it comes down to this football, to, to, to your to your stance. I think it was Malcolm Jenkins, correct me if I'm yeah, wrong? Yeah, Malcolm Jenkins yes. continued his trend of extending a raised fist during the end. Yes, and, and he did that. And so I thought uh, that was pretty impressive in my mind to see um, Chris Long come along and, and, and ask, you know, if I don't put my fist up or if I don't take a knee, is it okay if I stand by your side out of respect uh, and, and be a part of – uh, the things that you guys are, are pushing for, and, and, and he's he's saying himself, being that he's a a person that's that's from Charlottesville, uh, and knowing uh, how he would want his city to look and act uh, when it comes down to understanding the stance of a Colin Kaepernick, and, a, and when it comes to racial inequality, racial injustice, and police uh, brutality, you know, for African Americans, uh, they said minorities and just African Americans, just period. And also just take it to the next level for all people. Um, it, it's, it's something that needs to be recognized. And anytime you suppress or you try to shut down, you know, anything that's trying to be said. Um, and, and, and again, as I said about Colin Kaepernick, when he chose to take the stance uh, to to want to stand for the national anthem, you know, it, it's now in the hands of the owners when it comes to their perception on what's how the backlash is for Colin Kaepernick uh, in the National Football League. And, you know, let's be honest. The end, the end result in the end for, for owners of these, of these teams is what? Ticket sales, you know, butts in the seats, and, and making sure that their product is something still good. And I think the more that you see players being advocates of, of what Colin Kaepernick has done, understanding it was a peaceful protest. It wasn't anything against any one person. It was just wanting to spring awareness I think he's done a phenomenal job. And I think because of that, at some point in time, when you see more players, it's going to take more players in the National Football League, play, marquee players as well, along with what we're going to see with uh, the, the rallies as well as the NAACP getting involved, uh, you're going to see a, a movement that's going to force the hands of these owners to take a chance because now most people are showing uh, that they're for the cause in which Colin Kaepernick took a knee for, which was being against bigotry uh, and, and trying to denounce that and giving people an opportunity to do what the Constitution says that you can do, and that's express uh, how you feel, you know, and, and, and him doing it in a very quiet way. And I think you're seeing all the players, Michael Bennett, uh, you're also having uh, Marshawn Lynch. Right, and Marshawn's not going to explain it because it's Marshawn. He does not I mean, he articulate have to explain his himself. views. He's beast yeah, mode. I mean, he's just... I mean, I think everyone understands what it is. I mean, it's, it's not a secret. I mean, you think people are just taking seats because they're tired and their lower backs are hurting? No. Taking stands for, I think, everything that Colin Kaepernick stood for in the very beginning. And it's just ironic how all of a sudden when you have Michael Bennett, then all of a sudden you have Marshawn Lynch. You have this foolishness taking place um, in Charleston, Charlesville, excuse me, Charlottesville, uh, where there was a young lady that lost her life. Uh, because of the foolishness that's taking place out there. So, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change. It's going to change. It's guaranteed it's going to change. Colin Kaepernick will be on someone's football team sooner than later. Okay, Believe but, me. But the pressure is going to mount. D- define that because it feels like, to me, most of these quarterback situations are fairly settled, right? Unless Joe Flacco can't go in Baltimore, and you and I have been telling it like it is, Ryan Mallett has looked lousy. I'm not Horrible. endorsing Ryan Mallett Horrible. at all, but if Flacco can go week one, what's the incentive for – Baltimore to bring in Colin Kaepernick as a backup if they don't need him. Well, I mean, it's, it's going to boil down to an, uh, an injury of some sort. I mean, we said that. I said that from the beginning. He was going to get. I said he was going to get a job, 
I didn't think it was going to be that big of an issue to where I thought he was going to get a job by training camp. And I said, after that, it's going to be based on injuries. If you look at Jay Cutler and you saw the hit he took against the Baltimore Ravens in that last preseason game, and then Coach Adam Gaze took him out, that one hit made you understand that you take five or six more of those within a game or within a couple of weeks, something's going to give at some point in time. And I'm not saying he's going to get injured, but at the end of the day, that's all you're going to have left is Matt Moore, and that's a place. You look at what's going on. You mentioned Ryan Mallett. There's no guarantee that Ryan Mallett's going to survive as a, as a starter quarterback if they need him to, let alone Joe Flacco in his back. He's just one hit away from needing to have Ryan Mallett to step up. We saw how horrible Ryan Mallett has been. Ryan Mallett is not a good quarterback in the National Football League. He's not. And to sit here and have him there as opposed to Colin Kaepernick after you heard Ozzie Newsom say that they wanted him to be on a team as well as John Harbaugh, the head coach of that football team, saying that they wanted him. And Steve Bashotti took a stance, took a step back and well, said, you know what? In fairness, it was, a re- it was a report that Ozzy and Harbaugh wanted them. We didn't hear that directly no from one them. Reject- just and no one rejected it. And no one back came back and, 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 and recantered it and said, you know what? It wasn't true. So going off of what sources say, let's just say sources said, survey said that Colin Kaepernick is wanted on the football team. It was Bashotti's call, and he ended up choosing to not be a part of it. And so, you know, when it all boils down in the end, you know, that has to take just as Colin Kaepernick, just as Michael Bennett, just as they ask the players on the football field and how they play, there needs to be bravery by the owners to say, you know what, he didn't do anything harmful to anyone. He took a stance. And if and if it's okay for 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 certain other things to happen, like a Joe Mixon of the world, I'm happy the kid is playing, but yet he did something uh, before he actually came to the National Football League. Uh, you, you all of a sudden have Ezekiel Elliott on on, on the hot seat of maybe missing six games because of, of the uh, personal conduct violation. Uh, and so, you know, here it is. He took a peaceful protest to stand for something that I think everyone in this country, everyone in this country can say, you know what? You know, there's it's only so much you can stand, but you can't stand no more when it comes to what we're seeing happening. And not just in this country, but around the world. You know, I mean, it, there's, there's no reason to, to, to have it a double standard or even not giving people their chances to, to, to even get jobs or they have to change their appearance because in some cases it's causing interference for guys to get jobs. You know, Michael Vick and, 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 and Ray Lewis saying this guy needs to shut up and cut their hair. You don't need to do that. Come on. It's this football. You get scabs on your arms. You're getting gashed wide open with stitches. And I mean, it's not that big of a, you have tattoos over all the athletes in the game. You know, you have some crew cuts, some hairs painted, Come on, man. It's, it's just not that big of a deal. You know, the guy deserves to be in the National Football League because his talent says so. It's just having that meeting in the office to figure out where is his focus. If his focus is where it needs to be and he wants to play football and he has the talent to do so and he fits the bill of what you have on your team because that's what it's going to come down to, the owner's perception, you know, because not every quarterback, not Josh McCown, can be on every team. Not every owner wanted a Josh McCown. Not every owner wanted Ryan Fitzpatrick, okay? Not every owner wanted a, a Chris Hackenberg, especially in the second round, Consider what we've seen as of lately with him, with that horrific type of football. He's playing. He has a job. Why can't Kyle Kaepernick has one? It's going to boil down to that. And if he gets the chance, I think via all the things that's transpiring in the National Football League, guys actually standing up. Uh, uh, for the things that Colin Kaepernick mentioned uh, to all of a sudden this rally. Um, if it's going to bring that awareness to the point where it's understood that, hey, you know what? He just took a stance for something that he didn't agree with. 
you know, just, just give him a chance. Why not? He hadn't done anything wrong. He's done nothing with the law. Uh, he hadn't done anything for his the personal conduct uh, nope, violations. Didn't break any concerned. rules. You're right. Well, rules. well said. And as we wrap it up, undeniably, in my opinion, Kaepernick, far better than anything the Jets have under center. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.